mirroring that song as we continue in our series entitled Once Upon a Relationship is a beautiful story of redemption. It occurs in 760 B.C. in Israel, and it is a time of great economic uptick in Israel in those days. And as is often the case with the economic uptick, there's also a uh, corresponding uh, downward trend morally. And so as the people are enjoying the blessings and riches of God, they are also turning from God and beginning to live in a fashion that dishonors God. And over that landscape, God raises up a young prophet by the name of Hosea. Hosea uh, learns at the foot of God about adultery and about redemption. God introduces Hosea to a lady by the name of Gomer. Any ladies here today named Gomer? She's unique. Every time I hear her name, you know what I want to say? Shazam! And golly, too, back there. Well, that was her name. But more than her name, her situation is what is unique to this story. Basically, she has, is an immoral lady. Matter of fact, here's what the Bible says in Hosea chapter 1. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, he said to him, Go take to yourself a wife of harlotry, children of harlotry. For this land, Israel, has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So Hosea went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deplaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. I'm not sure about you, but that seems to be a very, very unique and interesting choice that God made for Hosea's wife. Basically, he said, here's a lady whose morals, whose lifestyle, whose promiscuity are very questionable, and I want you to marry her. I uh, am a little bit scared because I think of myself as a preacher, and I'm afraid God might do the same thing to me at some point. But the reason that this happened is so Hosea could learn from God, could learn intensely the lesson of what cheating, what adultery, what rebellion does to a person. And this story has many layers. On one hand, it's a story of a marriage between Hosea and Gomer. On the other hand, it's a story of Israel and God and the spiritual adultery that took place over and over and over again in that land. And it's a story of modern-day 2014 culture where you and I continue in that same path of spiritual adultery, of claiming to know and love God, of claiming to be in relationship with Him, but many, many times in our relationships with one another and in our own personal life, literally cheating, committing spiritual adultery in our relationship to God. Let's take a minute to look at their marriage. And what happened after Hosea and Gomer got together 
is something that seems to me happens over and over again in our relationships, one with another. The most common marriage untruth, misconception, whatever word you want to use is this. People seem to think that what I'm missing is better than what I have. You ever look across the way at your husband and think, I could do better? You ever take a glance at your wife and say, man, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? I could probably find someone who suits me better. Well, that kind of happens in in so, so many relationships. And if you think about it, in America today, in our culture, we don't really prepare people as much for marriage. Our culture does a whole lot better job of preparing us for divorce. Think about how relationships happen. Folks meet one another. They may do it online, they may do it at a a local bar, they might even do it in church, but a guy meets a girl and they get together for a while, he moves his toothbrush into her house or she moves her toothbrush into his, clear out a little space in the closet, they're together for a while, they don't really make a commitment and then something happens one day and they meet somebody better and they move on, they take their toothbrush and their broken heart and go to the next place. And it seems like that even long before marriage, our culture is teaching us by the way in which we carry out superficial relationships that it's not meant to be forever. And so over and over and over again, we're in and we're out. We're in and we're out of relationship. We're looking, we're constantly saying, could somebody be better? Better choice, a better option. And that's what happened with Homer, Gomer. Who's Homer? He's not in the story. (laughs) Hosea and Gomer, who, if you put them together, so that's a forgivable mistake, right? Yeah. Okay, thanks for listening. Good. So you put them together, and that's what you get. And that's what happened in their life. I don't know how that would look today. Maybe a young couple get married and wife starts to feel a little unappreciated. Maybe since he was a preacher, he was working a lot at church. He was out on the street corner prophesying. He was praying a lot and she's thinking, he loves God more than me and so he's too busy for me and so she starts to kind of get down and out. Maybe she looks on Facebook and sees an old boyfriend and pushes the friend button. They start to talk. Or maybe there's somebody at the place where she works that looks pretty cute and doesn't act like her husband acts, and so they kind of connect. And maybe she's at the store and somebody flirts with her. 
But before long, it seems much better to be out of the relationship than in the relationship. And what she's missing seems like it's a lot better than what she has. And so this act of adultery happens, and then another act, and another act, and then suddenly she's gone. In Gomer's life, the Bible says that she left Hosea and found another man and had a child with that man and then another child with another man and before we knew it, she's connected with a pimp and she's a prostitute. She's living a life of shame and defeat. Back in the pulpit, Hosea is preaching to an audience that's wondering where his wife is. He's preaching a word of, uh, of, of faith and a word of prophecy from God, but his heart is heavy. In fact, it's broken because this woman that God said, Mary, this woman that God placed in his life is now somewhere in a place that's as far as it can possibly be from his pulpit. And while he stands and he proclaims the prophetic word of God, his heart breaks within him. Because his beloved, his God-chosen wife, has left him behind. And I think Hosea began to learn in a very, very graphic way how God feels when you and I leave him behind. Bible says that God reacts, and if we had more time, I'd read these passages to you, that God reacts in very specific ways as he did with Israel when they committed spiritual adultery. The first thing that God responds to our cheating hearts with is righteous anger. Righteous anger. Bible says our God's a jealous God. God has invested a lot in you. God has created you, created you for relationship with Him. And when you sway or, 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 or when you stray from God, thinking about dancing, that's why I said sway, by the way. When you stray from God, God gets pretty possessive because He loves you. He knows that his way is best for you. Matter of fact, the Bible says God gets angry. And that's a dangerous place to live, isn't it? So we see God's righteous anger with the children of Israel. We see him many, many times bringing wrath down upon them. His righteous anger. But also in this story that is played out over against this marriage we see God's unfailing love. I want to read this passage to you. It's in in Hosea chapter 2. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, in verse 14. We'll bring her into the wilderness. We'll speak comfort to her. God demonstrating his love to an unfaithful people. I will give her vineyards from there. And the valley of Acre, which was a dismal valley of battle and death in Israel, the valley of Acre will become a door of hope. She will sing there 
as in the days of her youth, as in the days that she came out of the land of Egypt. So over against this spiritual adultery in Israel and God's wrath, God's righteous and correct anger is the spirit of God reaching down with his unfailing love to his children. And I want you to see the imagery there. As God is making very, very clear that even in the most dismal of situations that his love will never fail. This valley of acre that God is talking about us walking through is a valley of despair, of brokenness. It's a place where dreams go to die. Terrible tragedy took place. And anybody seeing that word would know that God is talking about despair. And then God says there's a door of hope. I don't know about you today, but I would dare say there are a lot of folks sitting in this room right now who are walking through the Valley of Acre. Maybe it's something personal in your life, a problem that seems bigger than you, a a situation that you can't get past or get over, and you struggle with it, whether it's a health problem or a personal problem, and it's brokenness that seems to be the key word in your life right now. Maybe it's in your marriage or in another relationship and in the midst of, of, of struggling to, to try to get along, you feel like there's no hope and there's no help and you're walking through the valley of Acre. There's two ways to make a marriage work, by the way. One of them is that you are literally a perfect person. There's only a couple of us here today. The other is that your relationship walks through the valley of Acre, that you do battle. There's warfare, there's arguments, there's disagreements, you name it, whatever you want to call it. But there are are troubles because, listen to me, listen to me, ladies, there is no way you can live with a creature this ignorant, right? Right? There's no way you can live with a man who was not created to be a genius in relationships and not get mad from time to time, right? And there's no way you can't remind him of that, amen? Come on. And so your house is the valley of acre ever so often, isn't it? And guys, there is no way that we can live with women and how they can be sometimes without rebelling, right? Without shutting down. And so let's be honest today. Those folks who say, we've been married for 30 years and have never had a fight, I don't believe them. I believe that in every relationship there are troubles and there are issues and there are reasons if you choose to, to leave. There is the valley of acre. But praise God, there's the door of hope. 
Hope when you can't see it. Hope when you don't even believe it's there. Hope when everything seems to be lost. Hope when brokenness is the most acute. Hope when she won't shut up. Hope when he won't listen. Hope when it doesn't seem possible to reach God. There is the door of hope. And unless you're perfect, that's how life is going to look. how life is going to look. And if you think that it's too hard for you to walk through the door of hope, there's been too much for you to forgive, there's been too much much said, too much done for you to walk past it, I want you to think about Hosea when God whispered into his ear and he said, it's time to go reclaim. It's time to to go find Gomer and forgive her. I think the first time Hosea's spirit felt God's spirit connect with his and say, go get her, he said, no way. (laughs) No way, God. She broke my heart. She's a sleazy woman, God. I'm, I'm your prophet. There's no way, God. But finally, Hosea knew that he would never have peace and things would never be right. And so he set out on that journey. And he went to the lowest and darkest, most hideous places in Israel as he looked for his bride. He met the most common and dangerous the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst. I don't know how long it took, but he never stopped looking. Finally, one day on a dirty street, he knocked on the right back door and he saw Gomer. No doubt, the beauty of her youth had dimmed. There were lines of guilt and shame etched into her face. She couldn't look him in the eye. Preacher or prostitute. Imagine her surprise when he said to her, I never stopped loving you. I never gave up, and I don't want you to live this way anymore. I don't care what your story is. I don't care how many men have been in your bed. I want you to come home. It's incredible, isn't it? It's an incredible moment of redemption. touches my heart because God's redeemed me in the same way. I've been a spiritual prostitute. So have you. I've cheated on God. I've lied. I've turned my back.
And somehow, God continues to love and forgive. So listen to me. Let your heart believe this today. God will never, ever stop loving you unconditionally. God will look till he finds you. God will touch till he reaches you. He'll never give up. No matter where you are or what you've done. And do you know how that's possible? Because for all of the mistakes that we make, all of the sin that we fall into, all of the addictions that trap us, all of the hurt, Jesus Christ died on a cross for us. And with his sacrificial death, the distance between your sin and God's love came to an end. Your spiritual adultery was covered by his amazing grace. And God's searching. And he won't stop till you know how much he loves you. And you can't look at the cross without knowing it's true. Here's how much he loves you. His love is unending and unfailing. And your sin and your lines of guilt and shame they're already forgotten forgiven if you'll just come to him pray with me father every person in this room we failed you we failed one another there are couples in this room right now father that need to exhibit the love and forgiveness that you've demonstrated to them to each other there are relationships that need to be mended hearts that need to be healed Father, there's sin in this room that needs to be forgiven. There are are, are people who've betrayed you, who've lost their way, who are living in places and doing things and choosing a path they never intended to follow. And so, Father, right now, let redemption reign. Let your grace fall. Let hearts be lifted, burdens be lowered, life's changed, life's changed right now, in Jesus' name.